Are you ready for his spirit to be in this place? Go ahead and stand up. God is so good. greater 
Father, we praise you for what you've done. We praise you for being so good to us. Our only response to you is to be able to worship you for what you continue to do in our lives over and over and over again. It's not just one thing that you did one time, but you keep saving us every day. So we praise you every day for what you've done. Father, we believe that you're active and moving in this place, this very room among these very people in their hearts. God, I ask that you do something pretty amazing you open this up in a way that we never have before, that we become the people that love one another and love this world so that it's so different from anything else anybody that sees, Father, that the, the world knows that we've given ourselves to you entirely. Pray each of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys have a seat for a second? got to grab your, your wind for a few moments. So in our backyard down in Wilmore, Kentucky, there is a something happening, right? I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but about a week and a half, yeah, nice, awesome. A week and a half ago, some uh, chapel uh, uh, in, in Asbury, Asbury, Asbury University, uh, was happening, and uh, these students, uh, they, were, they, they were given an opportunity to, to pray for one another, and uh, the ones that were really struggling, uh, they, they gathered around them, and they got to experience a, a healing, a, a, a physical change within them because of what the Spirit of God was doing pretty awesome to see. And people over the next bunch of uh, days decided, I got to be a part of that. I've got to see what's going on there. And it's awesome because it is. The movement of God's spirit is amazing to behold. And many people have said to me over the, the, the course of this, I'm like, man, I just, I wish that was something like that would happen at our church. And I'm going to tell you, it can and will when people are hungry and thirsty for the spirit of God. If you are not hungry and thirsty for the Spirit, you will not experience that. And I want that to be who we are. Not for our own benefit, not because we can say, oh, look what's happening at our church too. So that this world can experience something that is completely different. The world needs to see your light. The world needs to see the light of Jesus Christ within each of you. And if you guys agree, this place will be different. And it's going to start similarly. We look at one another and say, 
I know I don't know you, but I'm going to count you as my brother and my sister, and I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to live this life with you, and we're going to experience something that's different. So for these next few moments, I want you to be able to pray for the people that are around you. You might not know their name. Say, weird guy in the gray shirt, whatever it is that you call him. I'm the weird guy in the gray shirt. That's why I said that. <laughs> you say, I'm going to pray for that weird guy in the gray shirt, or I'm going to pray for that other person. And they're going to do something we typically don't do. I'm going to bring the lights up so that you can actually see each other and pray for one another. Because there might be healing in this room that needs to take place. There might be some relationships that are in a place that they should not be. And God wants to come into that. There might be some, some physical hurting that's happening right here in this place today. And God wants to take part in that. He wants to help with that. There might be a lot of variety, a bunch of other issues that are happening right now. But I'm going to pray for revival here. I'm going to pray for awakening here. I'm going to pray for a restoration of faith in this place. And you might not believe any of that. That's cool. That's cool. But if you start, even in some level, to be able to say, I believe that something can happen in my life. Let's just start there. Anywhere else, it doesn't matter. But believe that God can move in this place. I want you to be able to receive that in this place today. Are you ready for that? You ready for the Spirit to move amongst you? Because He is already here. He's made a promise to us that He's already so we're going to pray over each of these things in Jesus' holy name. Okay? I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurry, in your sorrow, I will ask my God, ask to, move. God to move amongst us today. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. Desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing. The circumstances will change. I pray that the fields are the
work that you're doing amongst each of us, Father, in our hearts individually and what you will do collectively when we give ourselves to you. We are hungry and thirsty for what you can do and what you want to do in each of us. So we come before you and we say we love you and we know that you love us. Help us to spread this love to this entire world. Let us be a light to the people that are in darkness. Let us be a light to those people that need you. We're desperate for you. We know where it's been in our hearts. We know how desperate we've been for you. And we ask that you'll come into our lives in a bigger way so that we can do that for the people that we love and the people that are around us today. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray for all of these things. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? morning. You believe the Spirit's in the room? It's His promise. His promise is that when two or three of us are gathered in His name, He's here. Now, He's always here. He's always inside of us. But there's something special that can happen when Jesus' followers gather to give Him the honor and the praise that He deserves. And I love mountaintop experiences. I think they're cool. What matters is whether it changes you. It's not about who you are for a few days. It's not about who you are for a few weeks. It's about who you are day in and day out, week after week, month after month, year after year. Do you buy that? Will you let them change you? That's the kind of stuff we're going to talk about this morning. Nothing spectacular, just kind of the changes that the Holy Spirit works on us as Jesus' followers the kind of people that he wants us to be, the kind of things that he wants us to do. And here it is again. If you're not a Jesus follower yet, what I'm going to talk about this morning is going to sound flat out weird. It really is. It'll work for you, but it's still going to sound strange at first. Living this stuff out will make your life better. It'll make you better at life. If you are a Jesus follower this morning, what I'm talking about this morning is not an option. It's not an add-on that you can choose if you want for your following Jesus. If you're a Jesus follower, this is who we are and this is what we do. If you're no more than a believer, an actual Jesus follower. Now let me warn you that I'm going to preach a really, really, really long sermon, okay? But I'm going to divide it into three parts and preach it over three weeks. Does that help? party. Oh, thank you. Hey, listen, they're, they're standing for hours at Asbury, and you want me out by noon, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to preach part one this morning, part two next week, part three the week after that. But they're connected. They all flow out of four big ideas. And here they are. Big idea number one, God owns it all. He's God. God owns it all. Everything we have, everything we can do, how we live, what we live for, it's His. We're Jesus followers. We think it's ours. Whether we acknowledge it or not, it's all His because He is God. Big idea number two, God is lavishly generous. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, Jesus or God is lavishly generous with you. God has given you so incredibly much. Do you believe that? It's all grace. Some of it's common grace. 
Big idea number three, with gifts comes responsibility. How many of you guys watch Spider-Man? Say something similar to that, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Right idea, with great gifts comes great responsibility. And big idea number four, if you live these three ideas out, your life's going to be better, way better. I mean, it's all his. He's extravagantly generous with us. He expects what he lets us use to be used in a God-honoring way. And if you actually live that out, your life's going to be better. It's going to be better for you and for everyone else around you. The reason is we've got a really good and very wise God, right? Now, for the last few months, actually, we've been following a path that's been mapped out in this book. It's all big biblical ideas. It's called Believe by Randy Frazee. It's about what we believe as Jesus followers. What are the big things that we believe? What are the things we do because we're Jesus followers? And then we're going to be coming to, what's he, what's he shaping us into? What's God doing inside of us? That's going to be the third part of this series. We're in the middle of part two, what we do. And there are things that we do that are different because we're Jesus followers. Things like we worship on the first day of every week. It's part of who we are and what we do. We get together on the first day of the week to give God the honor and the praise that he deserves, right? And we pray and we study the Bible. We connect with other Jesus followers. We try to do life with other Jesus followers because we need each other. And this morning, we serve. We're servants. We serve God. We serve each other. We even serve some of those who are not Jesus followers yet. And we think doing all of this stuff makes life better, richer, sweeter. Is that weird? Now, if you're following along the book, and some of you guys are, because basically there's supporting material in each one of these chapters, we're on chapter 17 in this book today, Spiritual Gifts. Ordinarily, next week would be 18, and the week after that would be 19. I'm going to mess it up a little bit, all right? If you're following along, this week is 17. Next week, we're going to look at chapter 19, and in two weeks, we're going to go back and pick up chapter 18, all right? So, today, spiritual gifts. Next week, giving my resources, chapter 19. And then, on March the 5th, offering my time. By the way, if you're not following along and you want some supporting material, a little digging deeper in the Scripture on each one of these ideas, we've got these available in our Connections Room, and they're just five bucks. They're just they're real cheap, and it's a good little resource to just keep digging deeper through the week. Okay. Spiritual gifts. Let's attack it this way. Especially among our younger adults, millennials and Gen Zers, having a cause is a really, really big deal, right? Whether it's a social cause or whether it's an environmental cause or a, a moral cause. I like the show Shark Tank. Any of you guys like the, the show Shark Tank? It's pretty cool, right? You get these entrepreneurs who pitch their ideas to a group of sharks, which means really, really rich guys, right? Guys like Mark Cuban, Kevin O'Leary, or Lori Greiner, hoping to get one of the sharks to partner with them. But this is a common theme on the show. It seems like most of the younger entrepreneurs, they want to build a business, but they also want to support some cause. They always attach a cause to their business. 
They've got this dream of making some money, but also donating part of their money to build orphanages or to buy sweaters and socks for needy kids or make lives better for veterans or clean up some beach or some other social, environmental, or moral cause. And that's cool, right? It's cool to be passionate about something besides just money. Now, the causes that are really tracking with our younger generations, I mean, there are websites that actually track this stuff out there. They're especially passionate about things like racism, equity, poverty, mental health, climate change, the environment, sex and gender. And for the most part, I think passions for a cause is a good thing. Because if you're only in it for you, you are living for too little, right? If you're only in it for you, that's sad. On the other hand, sometimes passions for a cause will mess people up in a couple of different ways. Sometimes people who are passionate for a cause get all judgmental. If you're not just as passionate for my cause as I am for my cause, I think there's something wrong with you, right? If you're not as passionate about the environment as I am, if you're not as passionate about diet and exercise as I am, if you're not as passionate about racism as I define it, as I am, if you're not as passionate about poverty, then there's something wrong with you, we think. As if my passions are the standards by which all of you should be judged, right? I think that right only belongs to God. And this may be a bigger problem. Most of the causes that we invest ourselves in aren't big enough to wrap our lives around. They're okay as lesser causes, secondary causes, but they're too little to be what we are all about. Because sometimes we allow our passions for a lesser cause to distract us from the bigger causes, especially the biggest cause of all. The biggest cause for every Jesus follower, every Jesus follower, is to lead people to Jesus and to drag them to heaven. You buy that? And if your obsession with some lesser cause distracts you from your greater cause, you're messed up. Save the whales while you lose your kids. Climb the ladder at work as you lose your marriage. Clean up the world as you ignore the kingdom of God. That's messed up, guys. Because someday every single one of us is going to be standing before God, right? It's going to happen. Who we are, what we've done, what we have valued most, all of that's going to be completely transparent. It's going to be laid bare. And it's going to matter. Because what God does next is going to be infinitely important. And what God does next is not going to be determined by your passions for a lesser cause, no matter how good it is. It's going to be based on whether you put first things first. Bottom line, will you do life with God, for God, God's way, right now? Okay. Here's the verse that we're going to try to memorize and then focus on this morning. You ready? First Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards, 
good managers of God's varied grace. As each has re received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, if you don't mind, I know this is going to feel silly, do the hand motions with me. You're receiving something. Hold your hands out, pull it in, you've received it, now give it away, right? That's the verse. Let's say it as we do it. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, okay? Now let's make it harder. Take away the words and see if you can do it with me. All right? As each has received a, a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. Yeah, I should have memorized it first, huh? <laughs> now, do you believe that? Not that it's just in the Bible. Do you believe it for you? Do you believe that you have been gifted by God? incredibly gifted by God, every single one of you. And are you using your gifts to serve each other, not just yourself? Because remember those big four ideas? These are big four ideas that will actually apply to your gifts, right? Number one, God owns them all. God has given you these amazing gifts to use, but it's still all His, Everything we have, everything we can do, how we live, what we live for, it's all His, right? And our God is a extravagantly generous, amazingly generous, lavishly generous with gifts to us. Whether you are a Jesus follower or not, God has given you so incredibly much. Number three, when God gives you gifts, He also gives you responsibilities, the Bible word is stewards or managers. God owns, we manage in a way that pleases the owner, right? And number four, if you do life God's way, you're going to have a much better life and you're going to be better at life. It's going to be better for you and it's going to be better for everybody around you. Now the rest of it this morning, I'm just going to unpack these just a little tiny bit. First one is the biggest. Because if you get this one, everything else will fall into place. Here it is. God owns them all. God owns them all, right? I'm not just talking about your money and your stuff. I'm talking about your abilities and your gifts. Every gift that you have, every talent that you have, every ability that you have, God owns. He owns them all. Now, some of you guys used to like Rush Limbaugh, right? Some of you guys used to hate him. But one thing he said is absolutely true. He claimed to have talent on loan from God. So do I. So do you. All of us have talents on loan from God. It's right there in that verse that we memorized, right? Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as managers, as stewards of God's varied grace. You're the manager, not the owner. God's still the owner. And that idea is all over our Bible, guys. I'm going to show you just a couple of other verses with exactly the same idea. The Bible says, you are a holy people. You're a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. You belong to God. Does that idea offend you? We protest. Nobody owns me, stupidly. 
He's God, guys. And if you belong to God, then he owns everything you have and everything you can do. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, he is God, right? Here's another one. The Bible says he made us, he made us, and we're his. We're his. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, he made us, we're his. And if we are his, so are our gifts and our talents. It's about ownership. See, guys, God never relinquishes title. He never transfers title to us. He lets us use the gifts and talents that he gives to us. He loves it when we do. But they're still his. The real question is not how many of my gifts and how many of my talents do I use for God. The real question is how many of God's gifts and God's talents will I use for myself. It's a question of ownership. God owns it all. Number two, God is amazingly, lavishingly, extravagantly generous with every single one of you guys, with me. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, God has given you so incredibly much. And I know that some of you guys are going to push back, right? We've all been gifted by God, right? You've been gifted by God. Listen, guys. Every person sitting in this room has been gifted by God with an incredible array of talents. Whether you're a Christian or not, you've been blessed by God with an incredible array of talents. And if you're a Christian, he's given you some special gift for some special purpose as well. Some of you guys don't buy it. You don't feel gifted. You don't think you can do much of anything. Which is why some of you guys sit on the sidelines because you're convinced you don't have anything to offer get in the game or you think it's all yours technical term for all that stuff is poppycock right did you know research has shown that the average person the average person has between five and seven hundred natural abilities and skills you can do at least 500 different things right that's pretty blessed some of you guys can work a computer, an iPad, a smartphone. Some of you guys are good with mechanical things. Some of you guys are good with numbers. Others of you are good with words. Some of you guys work well with people. Some of you guys can cook. Maybe not like Reba, but you can cook, right? Maybe you can sing. Not like Steve, but a lot of you guys can sing. Some can draw. Some can drive. Some can recruit. Some can build. Some can garden. What can you do? Every one of you guys, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, is amazingly blessed by God. We call those things the common graces for all people because God gave us the ability to do all these things. He gives us our minds. He gives us these amazing bodies. And every gift and every talent that he's given to us can be used to serve him if we think about it. You buy that? And... In addition to the talents and abilities that God gives to every one of us, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, God gives special gifts to every Christian. You see, when God gives us a job to do, he gives us the gifts we need to get it done. God is creative that way. It's right there in that verse we memorized, right? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's very grace. Listen to these other verses. Same basic idea. Bible says, in His grace, God has given us, God has given each of us, all of us, different gifts for doing certain things well. God makes us different so our gifts can complement each other. 
Every single one of you can do something better than the person sitting next to you. You buy that? Put our gifts together? It's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Bible says a spiritual gift is given to each one of us, each of us, so we can help each other. And that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? If you're a Christian, God has given you a gift, and when he gives you that gift, he gives you a job. Listen to the next one. He creates every one of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does, the good work he's already gotten ready for us to do, work that we'd better be doing. God created you to make a difference, guys. Are you letting the boss use you? Because if you're a Jesus follower, he's the boss, right? So God gives us this cornucopia of abilities and talents. And if you're a Jesus follower, he adds to that some spiritual gifts so you can accomplish whatever he wants you to do. A lot of Christians kind of struggle with this. And they ask questions like this. Well, how do I know if it's just a natural talent or a spiritual gift, right? A lot of Jesus followers get all torn up trying to discover their spiritual gifts so they can discover what God wants them to do. So they dig in the Bible and study all the spiritual gift lists trying to figure out which one they have. And they discover that some of the spiritual gifts listed in the Bible seem like just natural talents and abilities. Some of them seem kind of supernatural, supernatural talents and abilities. Some of the gifts listed in the Bible just seem like offices, right? And all these different kinds of things. My, here's my suggestion to you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I think God is infinitely creative. I think the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the Bible are just simply the tip of the iceberg. I think when God calls you to do something, he's going to give you the gifts to get it done, whether you feel adequate or not. Just dig in and do what he, what he calls you to do. One more piece, and this may not be spot on, and if it's not, I'm sorry. But let me suggest this. Maybe what makes a gift a spiritual gift is that you use it for a spiritual purpose. I don't care whether it's a natural talent, an ability that you cultivate, a supernatural gift given to you by God, because a supernatural God can do that. If you use your gifts for a spiritual purpose, maybe you ought to consider that a spiritual gift. Just find a way to use how you are gifted to serve our God. Big idea number three. With gifts comes responsibility. Again, the Bible word is stewards. We're managers. We're stewards. God owns. We manage. It's right in that verse that we memorized. As each has received a gift, use it to serve. Use it to serve one another. That applies to every single one of us as stewards of God's varied grace. Use it to serve. He wants us to be conduits of his grace. That's so cool. Listen to other places in the Bible that say the same thing. It says a spiritual gift is given to every single one of us so we can help each other. That's why you're so gifted by God. It's not about you. So we can help each other. You were gifted by God to make a difference in someone else's life for God. 
One more. The Bible says God gave gifts to prepare God's people for the work of serving. We are servants. If you're a Jesus follower, you are a servant. You serve God. You serve each other. You serve the people that God loves. That's who we are and what we do to make the body of Christ stronger. It's crystal clear, guys. Your gifts are not about you. God gave them to you so you can build something outside of yourself that lasts forever. And I can't overstate how important this stuff is because our heart is revealed by how we handle the talents and the gifts that God lets us use. Next week, we're going to look at how you can evaluate a man's heart by looking at his checkbook. This week, I'm going to suggest this. You can evaluate a man's heart by evaluating what he does with his talents and the gifts on loan from God. Can your family and your friends and your colleagues tell that you're a Jesus follower by watching how you use his gifts? Can your wife and your kids and your friends tell that you're a Jesus follower by how you use the gifts and the talents that God has lavished on you? Because bottom line, every single one of us is going to live in one of three ways. You will either worship God with God's gifts or you're going to worship some lesser God with God's gifts or you're going to worship yourself with God's gifts. Now listen, guys. If you've been in church for a while or if you've read a good chunk of the Bible, none of the stuff that I've been talking about this morning should be new to you. I hope it's review. But if you know this stuff here and you're not practicing it here, you've got a problem. Because it's not about just being a believer, it's about being a Jesus follower. Which means it's not just about what we know, it's about what we do with what we know. There was a Gallup poll a few years ago that made several discoveries that discovered that about 10% of American church members are active in any kind of personal ministry. One out of ten. Then they discovered that about 50% of all church members, members, not guests, about 50% have no interest in serving in any kind of ministry, irrespective of what God wants. No matter how much a, a church might promote involvement in ministry, no matter how much a church may lay out the biblical rationale for service like I'm trying to do this morning, no matter how much a church might nag, half of its members want to remain spectators. I don't feel led to get involved, they say. And there's a technical word for that, too. You know what it is? It's poppycock. Listen, guys, any Jesus follower who doesn't feel led into some kind of ministry is not listening to God. Here's the good news. If Gallup is right, that means 40% of American Christians do have an interest in ministry, but have either never been asked or perhaps don't have any idea how to get involved. Imagine, just imagine, if God's church could mobilize just that 40% to get involved in ministry. Can you imagine the impact that it would have on a church, on a community, and every single one of those Christians? That would be five times the number of Christians who are trying to use their gifts to make a difference for God. Holy cow. Now, listen, this is big idea number four. 
God isn't trying to make life hard for you. He's not giving you these gifts and these jobs to make your life miserable. Believe it or not, God thinks it will make your life better. It'll make your life richer. You buy that? God's not cruel, guys. Giving you gifts and different ways to use them is part of his grace. It feels good to help people, doesn't it? I know it's cool to receive gifts, but it's even more fun to give them. It's cool to be served sometimes. It's even better to make a difference in someone else's life for God. People just light up. Here's one of the paradoxes of our faith. Joy does not come from being served. Real joy comes from serving because that's how you were wired by God because that's the way God is. Spiritual fullness doesn't come from being fed. It comes from feeding somebody else. You will never feel satisfied as long as your life is all about you. It's a wasted life. My preaching partner, Randy Kurt, argues that there's a difference between a volunteer and a disciple. Do you see it? A volunteer is the kind of person who donates a little of his time, his talent, his money to some cause that he chooses. A volunteer is the um, good people. They give as much time and as much money and as much sweat as they want, and oftentimes they're incredibly generous. If you're a Jesus follower, you're not a volunteer. When you call Jesus Lord, you're acknowledging that you're his servant. It's all his. We know he's amazingly generous, but it's still all his. And we know our Lord expects us to use his gifts for his purposes. I know he wants you to take care of you and yours too. That's a good thing. But God also gave you the ability to make a difference in someone else's life for Jesus. So are you looking for a way to get it done? That's the question, isn't it? We try to give you some simple ways to get started every single month with our nudges. That's part of what they're all about. Quite a few people in this church family last week gave away quite a few roses. It was pretty cool. Because we got a bunch of stories back about how people were touched by those roses you gave away. Touched by God made a difference. Simple little thing. We have one of these little mud nudges every, every month. Another one's coming up here in a couple weeks for March. Some of you guys might want to plug in around here at Cap City. I mean, we're always looking for help. We've got a number of places where we're short, short on help. If you want to look for a way to plug in here at Cap City, talk to me, talk to Ben Webb, talk to John Suffin, any one of our staff members, we'll help you plug in. And it'll make a difference in your life too, guys. And a lot of you guys need to be away looking for a way to make a difference out there, outside these walls, in your neighborhood, at school, at work, maybe volunteering around town somewhere. Remember, always remember, the most important cause you can invest in, bar none, is to nudge someone closer to Jesus and drag them to heaven with you. So here's the challenge, guys. Are you a servant? Are you serving here at Capital City, we can be a spiritual force, right? We can be a spiritual force in our town. We can influence people. It'll change us too. Let's pray together. Father, we acknowledge that you are our Lord.
Serving you is a good thing. Makes life better, richer. But it's so hard to break that hold of self. I pray that you give us the courage and the wisdom to be children of God. And to show how much you meant it, you gave your own son for us. You served us incredibly. For that we are grateful. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. We're going to go to the Lord's table in just a second. I just mentioned in my prayer that if you want an example of service, look at Jesus. Gave his life so that you could be here with hope. He gave his life so that you can look beyond this life to an eternity with God. Served us. Didn't come to be served, but to give his life for us. And we're Jesus' followers. So every week we come to this table to remind ourselves who he is and who we are, right? We eat that bread which represents the body that was broken for us. We drink the cup that represents the blood that was shed for us. Incredible. The table, we also do a couple of other things. There's worship stations around the room. You'll see a black box. It says offering. Because as Jesus followers, we give our first part back to God. It's part of our worship of our God. If you have an extra dollar or two, want to drop it in the generous bucket there, that's cool. Every dollar that goes in there just goes to take care of people who are hurting in some fashion. Just loving on people right? We're going to bow our heads one more time as we prepare for the Lord's table. You've been so good to us. You've given us so many gifts, especially yourself. Give us the work, wisdom and the courage to give ourselves back to you. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Welcome.
foundation Christ is my firm foundation the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus He's never let me down. He's faithful through a generation. So I would keep in love. He won't. Oh. He won't. I still got joy. See? 
Hey, would you be seated for just a few moments? He won't fail, will he? Can you believe that? Amen. Hey, what a wonderful way to wrap up a worship service this morning. This is Shannon Fryer and her daughter Ainsley. And Ainsley made the decision that she wanted to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of her life. And we're excited to celebrate with her today. So, Ainsley, I'm just going to ask if you would repeat that good confession after me, okay? I believe, I believe that, Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and my Lord and Savior. Ainsley, upon that profession of faith, your mom gets to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, for the forgiveness of sins, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There we go. Awesome. Mm. Great, great way, isn't it? Great way to wrap up a service. Hey, uh, we're just thrilled that you took time to be with us today. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed your time of worship with us. Hopefully it's just a, something to spur you this coming week. I don't know what God's got in plan for you, but I know he's got something huge in store that he's going to use you for, and I hope that your eyes are open, your ears are attentive to that. Before we let you get out of here, uh, let me just share a few things that are going to be taking place. This coming Thursday night... Uh, we're partnering with the Orphan Care Alliance to bring an event here to our church that, that's called Rise. And uh, what this is, this is an opportunity for you, for our church family, also for our community. Hopefully you saw maybe an article in the newspaper this week. Uh, you know, we, we are pro-life here at Capital City, but we're more than just pro-life against abortion. We're pro-family, we're pro-moms, we're pro-babies, we're pro-kids, okay? And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but 
there, we're, we're a part of, Franklin County is a part of what's called the Salt River Region when it comes to the foster care uh, program here in our state. And there are almost 1,200 kids that are in the foster care system uh, here in this region. I, I don't know what the breakdown is just for Franklin County. But there is a great need for foster parents, for adoptive parents, but then even more than that, uh, for folks just to get involved with the different nonprofits here in our community that minister. So, so you may be thinking, well, you know, John, I, I'm really not interested in becoming a foster parent or adoptive parent. But you know what? There are other things that you can do to benefit and bless those that are doing that. So I hope that you'll come Thursday night. There's a card on the chair maybe you're sitting on close to you that just shares a little bit of information. It's going to be Thursday night, 6.30 here at the church. We'll be over on the student lobby side. Uh, there'll be some different of the, the nonprofit groups here in our community, like Casa the Bluegrass, Sunshine Center. Uh, you'll be able to find out information about those ministries that take place here as well. And so I hope that you'll come, be a part of that, find out what's going on, how you might be able to help in this uh, ministry that we've got here in our community. Also, guys, next Saturday morning is our monthly men's breakfast. And so we, we encourage you to put that on your calendar, 7.30, next Saturday morning, down in the gym. Breakfast will be served. Our very own Al Perry back here on the guitar is going to be speaking that morning. And so, guys, I hope that you'll put that on your calendar, set your alarm, get up. Ladies, uh, you kick them out of the bed at 7 o'clock if you need to, okay? Tell them to get here. They need to be here. It's going to be a great time of fellowship and sharing with uh, the men here in our church. And we, we, we ask that you bring somebody with you and come be a part of that as well. And, hey, don't forget, uh, every Sunday when you come in, Stop by the kiosk, get your name tag, okay? It makes it so much easier for, for people like myself and Doc. As we get older, we forget names, and that helps us remember and see people, and we know who they are kind of thing. And if by chance you're like, well, I'm, I'm not in, I don't have a name tag, stop by our desk out here, stop by the Welcome Center. One of our first impression team will help you get, uh, get those taken care of as well so that you've got a name tag so when you come next Sunday. Hey, God's got something in store for you. Like I said, I, I don't know what that's going to be. I don't know how he's going to use you, but he's going to use you. So let's get out there and do something big for God this week. You guys have a great one. We'll look forward to seeing you soon.